you know, if people realized what it was like for me to grow up uh, with ADHD, maybe they could get some kind of an understanding to what their son or daughter is currently going through every day. This was, you know, my inner monologue at the time that all this stuff was going on. I mean, what feedback I've gotten is that people really enjoyed the book and that they really could relate to it. So, you know, I consider the book a success regardless of uh, of sales, you know, because I really do care about, you know, these people. It kills me to think about some kid Monday is going to go to school and he's going to be in a similar situation to what I was in. I mean, they are out there. They really are. And, you know, if, I mean, gosh, if, if even one parent got reached, you know, that, that'd be something. ADHD Rewired, episode 105. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me thank our sponsors. Are you or someone you know looking to hire a speaker to talk about ADHD? Go to ADHDrewired.com and click the speaking tab. Fill out the form there and we'll be in touch. That's ADHDrewired.com. Click on speaking. Support for this podcast comes from Audible. For a free audiobook download, go to ericktivers.com slash audible for a link for that free download and for some hand-picked recommendations go to ericktivers.com slash audible for your free audiobook download welcome back to another episode of adhd rewired i am here in the virtual adhd rewired studios on my screen in his studios in the Tom Nardone Show Studios. I have clearly my guest is Tom Nardone. What's going on, man? How are you, Eric? I am doing well. I have to tell you, and I know I was telling you this a little bit before we got started, that I'm a little nervous about today's uh, today's interview. Well, I don't want you to be nervous. I want you to be calm. I'm just like any other person. You know, if that were only <laughs> that. <laughs> And the reason, so as for, for listeners who have been listening for a while and for those who aren't, so Tom wrote a best-selling book. Um, it has sold dozens. I think, are you up to two dozen now? Oh, I'm well past two dozen. Three? Well, I wouldn't say well past. But. <laughs> and his book is called Chasing Tights. It's a, it's a book, it's a memoir about living with ADHD. And uh, you know, Tom is probably one of my, if not my best friend. And so it was, and the reason I love Tom is he was okay. The fact that I had not read this book for so, so long. And I just came back from vacation and on vacation, before I went on vacation, I committed to Tom said, Tom, I'm bringing the book with, and I'm going to read it. And I did. And, uh, this is the first book that I read, um, in quite some time because I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks now and Tom, man, what an amazing, amazing book, man! Like, I, I found myself like sneaking away to the bathroom so I can like get into a little bit more reading time. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? It, it helped me understand you, like it, the, to the some of the things that that I didn't maybe there were some pieces that 
really helped me understand kind of why you do what you do and why you are the way you are. And, and I mean, in a, a like, in not like, now I know why you are the way you are. Like, it, make, it makes sense as a puzzle of knowing the story of somebody's life. I want to start um, by reading a, a passage because you write heavily uh, in here about your schooling experience, which, um, and I know you even said, like, I don't want you to feel bad when you read this stuff. But reading your experiences going through school is heartbreaking, Tom. And I, you know, I want, I think that teachers should read this book. So, because no person should ever have to endure what you went through as a kid going through school. Um, in your book here, I think it's, we were wrapping up the, your, the section about school. Um, you had said, I'm going to just read a little bit here. I was a different person entirely as a result of my experience at school. I went into the public school system as a meek, quiet, shy, and curious child. I wanted to make friends and have fun in this new place. I was full of hope, and I wanted to do very well at everything I attempted. I was, however, all but denied this, and I became bitter, jaded, and indifferent. I never made peace until I was introduced, introduced to my newest, closest friend, indifference. When I read that, it made me really sad, Tom. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, as I was writing that book, I, I also, you know, learned a lot about why I was the way I was. It's, you know, going, as I wrote that that book, it was it was really difficult because, you know, I was putting myself in a position where I had to basically relive uh, you know, all the worst parts of my life in school, of course, being at the top of that list. Um, and, you know, I really do, I, I am an indifferent person. I'm indifferent, uh, indifferent towards, you know, authority and, you know, things that are supposed to be a certain way that I don't want to. And, and I think that that's a, a big part of the reason why I'm just, I'm just indifferent toward society in general and not outwardly like, you know, obnoxious, rude, like a redneck or something like that. I'm just, just, just general indifferent towards it because it's just, you know, it's just how it was in school every day, you know? You know, and, and it makes sense. Like hearing a lot of the experiences that you went through, um, you know, I kind of look at it as you're kind of armoring up to protect yourself from, from the hurt. Cause there were so many things that you went through that were just, uh, I mean, heartbreaking. So, yeah, it under, I, so I understand the whole the whole notion of of the not caring, but the to me in the way I know you, Tom, uh, um, you know it's it's you're a complicated individual because you when I when you say that that you don't care, like I also find you to be one of the most caring people that I know. You know about the things you know for which I care about, yeah, but. There's, you know, plenty that I just really don't. I mean, I, there's things that I sometimes wish I cared about, but I, I just can't. It's not that I, it's not like I make some effort to not care about, you know, any specific thing. It, it's just that, you know, I, I know that it doesn't matter because I've, I mean, I, I've not cared about certain things for, for so long. I know it doesn't matter because I mean, <laughs> so there's really no upside to, 
to any of that. And, but, you know, it was all through school. And then, you know, it, it, I, I never really stopped caring until, you know, around the 10th grade. That's when I just basically just threw it, you know, just hell with all of it. And I just, uh, didn't care anymore. And I didn't make any effort, uh, socially speaking, I didn't make any effort to, you know, to make friends or to fit in. It just, it took me that long to realize that these people who have been treating me the way they were for so long, I don't want to, why would I, why do I want to, I mean, the worst thing that could have happened was for them to accept me. Who knows? I could have grown up and been an asshole. I mean, you know, and not, uh, is this going to be a cussing show? Hmm. You know, iTunes recently changed their like whole thing that if you have like one well, show now that has swears, that you have to like put your whole show as like. Um, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll we'll make that decision at the end of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so we, and that there might be a bleep. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But I. I just. You know it. But but I really just wanted to make friends. I really, I wanted people to like me. I mean, like anybody else, I just, I just wanted what, you know, other people already had and I felt like I deserved, but you know, what I discovered is I didn't want that anyway. I never, you know, I thought it's just something I thought I wanted for a long time, but I didn't want any of that. I, I didn't, I didn't want these people to these type of people, these terrible people to look at me as a friend. And then, you know, people in high school talking about going to college, I'm looking around, seeing the type of people who are going to college. Why the hell would I want to be there? It just, I didn't even, you know, a lot of people talk about college, think about college. It never even occurred to me to go to college. The idea of it seemed ridiculous. It still does. I get that, you know, many people in their professions, it is a requirement. And, you know, though I don't make a lot of, uh, you know, efforts to get to certain stages in my life because I'm content to where I am. And because of my fear of failure, I don't do those things. However, I do not judge or, or look down on anybody that does, you know, I think it's fantastic if somebody really wants to be a doctor for them to go through all the things they go through or a lawyer or whatever profession they might be. Uh, I think that's great that they do those things. And, you know, we need those people and I'm glad they're, they're, they're around, but I sure as hell wasn't going to be any uh, one of them. There was, no a, um, there was a part in the book where your uh, your dad had just kind of torn into you. Um, one of the times when your dad had torn into you about either if it was either grades or your mess um, in your room. And um, so I'm going to read a, a passage here. Um, it's really amazing how much I prepared for this interview. I just have to say that. Like, I really prepared for this interview because I, 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 I want to do you well, Tom. I, I do. I know. And I'm tickled that you prepared for interviews because I know that you don't generally do this. No, I don't. So I, I moved. Not, not that I don't generally do this. I don't do this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, you know, I did in the very beginning of the podcast did, where did I you, like created an outline. I don't do that anymore. Did you prepare for Russell Barkley's interview? No. Okay. Now, now I'm getting somewhere. All right. No, I, I don't. I don't think I did at all. Um, because I would prepare for things and then I wouldn't even use it. It would just distract me, my preparations. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So you said um, it was it was as if my father's words had no impact on me because I just did I just did not care anymore. 
I was angry at my parents because they did not seem to understand how I felt when I was at school. It was just the way I was treated. It wasn't just the way I was treated. It was the entire disappointment machine. It was my classmates, my schoolwork, my fear of punishment from my parents and all the daily personal failures I experienced. None of it was ever absent from my thoughts. I respected my parents and loved them both. I knew they wanted me to do better in school, but when you try as hard as you can and continue to disappoint the ones you love, you begin to lose faith in yourself. This is what happened to me. It was for this reason I quit caring. How did that feel when I read that, but just out of curiosity? I guess you were sad, Eric. <laughs> I, 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 man. So, hmm. Now I'm deciding what direction do I want to take this? So do we want to tear down the armor of, of Tom Nardone? I am... I am open to answer any questions you have and talk about anything you want to talk about in regard to this book. So with that passage, especially where you talk about, um, you know, you about the whole idea when you, when you try as hard as you can and you, you're not getting those results. Well, let me, let me just take you through this. Um, okay. For instance, like in the third grade, I guess, or, second grade when we were learning uh states and capitals okay you know the the teacher would get up there who it's one of the teachers i really did like very few of them did that i could have cared less about matter of fact today she's even on my friends list uh, miss hamilton from the second grade she's it's really cool and it was really cool at my seventh time we actually have miss hamilton is going to be joining us right now you don't how awesome would that be that That would be be so amazing fantasy land okay that'd be fine i've i've spoken to her she's <laughs> recently she's a really great lady she still is on the next episode of adhd rewired we talked to tom nardone second grade teacher but you know and i i know that you know they teachers don't i mean the good teachers don't just you know talk and talk and talk here's your test i mean they try to get the class involved in you know the class and it does break up the boredom i suppose for 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 a lot of people mm-hmm. okay but one of the things that Miss Hamilton uh, had us do in the second grade is, you know, she would say the state or the she would say the capital and we had to point to the state. So we not only had to know, you know, the state that corresponded to that capital, we had to know where that state was. OK, so we get up there with a pointer. And of course, if they say Atlanta, we point to Georgia. If they say, you know, Sacramento we point to California, assuming that's the capital. Is that, I think it is. I have no idea. I think it is. I think it is. If it's not, you know, my apologies to all the West coast people, but, uh, that was what it was. And of course I'm dreading the day that I get called up there. So, you know, to, to avoid that embarrassment, uh, I go home every day and as best as I know how I try to study the States and capitals, but, you know, I, for whatever reason, study it wrong, uh, get bored, get distracted. And I don't know where any of them are or what any of them are. And then, of course, when she calls me up there, I mean, I look like the stupidest person in the class because I don't know them. But I went home every day and for hours I, I would study and study. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would go home to study knowing that I wasn't going to know them any better 
than I knew them before I get started. I I know I'm going to probably study those things for two or three hours, and I know that I'm not going to know them any better when I'm finished than I do now. So, what is the point? When uh, when I remember when when I was reading um, when I was reading that, I was made me think of my when I was in fifth grade and I had to do fractions. And I was brought up to the board. I remember being the only person who I just my my brain just didn't couldn't grasp it. Like I didn't understand it. My teacher tried to explain it probably a hundred different ways. I just I couldn't grasp it. And I just remember that that feeling of like no matter how hard you try to something, it just you know and that's. So I absolutely relate to that feeling of like, well, I didn't think I was stupid. I really felt stupid in certain areas because um, like I just didn't know how to learn in certain areas. You know, I would go home and ask. I remember asking my dad, dad, what's the capital of Idaho? I don't know. You know, he didn't know. I mean, how many people know the capital of Idaho? Boise. It is Boise. But I'd ask him two or three states and he didn't know. And so I'd, so it was then I determined, well, then this just isn't very important. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm looking at my dad. He doesn't know. It hasn't seemed to slow him down a, a bit, you know. Uh, and I, I really just didn't care. It didn't make any sense that 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 I needed to know him. It was just, you know, some silly, you know, uh, demonstration, it, it seemed to me that that I had to even bother learning them. Now I understand now I'm just still don't know how really important it is to know, but I do understand that, you know, I mean, I, you know, the big question who, when are we ever going to need to know this in life is, you know, and of course one teacher would always say, well, Friday on the test was probably going to be the first, you know, to that's a good answer. Though. <laughs> I always love that answer, you know, because I, it was, then after that, never, you know, even even as a, I never was smart smart to my teachers or disrespectful to any of my teachers, and I, I never appreciated uh, the other students who were, you know. Now, when I got into high school, a little different. Uh, I mean, I was a, you know, I just didn't care about anything. Uh, it's that that whole, eventually, that entire system of the school system just seemed to be just a, a, the enemy, you know. Just that that you know, I'm finally that, you know, I'm trying to liberate myself from, and it was just about escape. I knew what mm-hmm. I had to do to escape. I had to have X amount of credits by the end of my senior year. And I did that and only that. And I didn't need psychology in my 12th grade year. And I scored an eight. Uh, out and, of, then, and then it was wait, really, what was the eight out of a hundred? My grade was an eight, uh, which is an F. I mean, a severe F. And then that was the first first six weeks of that semester. And then it went down to a, a, a three. And then somehow, <laughs> somehow by doing absolutely nothing, it shot up to like a 65. Okay. Now, I know a lot of kids would probably say, Hey man, that's, I didn't do anything, whatever. Hey, that's better than a, a, a one and a half, which I guess is what I was slated to, to get. But no, 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 not, not Tom Nardone. You know, I had to go right to the teacher and say, can you explain this to me? Can you explain to me how I did nothing in your class for the past six weeks? How is it that my grade jumped and i'm saying this at her desk and the whole class can hear me how is it that my grade can jump 
from a three all the way up to a 65. I was given 62 points. And to be fair, if you're not giving everybody else in this class 62 points, then you are not being very fair. (laughs) This teacher looked at me like she wanted to murder me, but I didn't need that class. And I know why she did it. She did it so that her class average would be higher and she could look like she's doing her job correctly. And that annoyed me. And so I, I took her to task on it and she wasn't very, you know, she always made, gave me a hard time about not doing anything in her class. It wasn't enough that I just sat there and didn't say a word and left. And no, no, no. She had to, you know, that just wasn't enough. She couldn't just let that be. And I understand as an adult now why, but at the time it made no sense to me. And you had some teachers that were pretty nasty to you. Yeah, that, yeah, it was, I know the fourth grade teacher. Oh man. Yeah, that was kind of a, and in sixth grade, yeah, that was pretty unfortunate. In in the book, there was a part where, uh, um, there was this whole situation that your parents didn't believe, your mom didn't believe. I think your dad maybe believed you about like you were getting a bad grade because your partner wasn't signing something of yours. Yeah. He, when we were in the sixth grade, uh, I can't remember what name for her I used in the book, but it doesn't really matter. My sixth grade teacher, uh, would have us exchange our test papers when we got finished with them so we could grade our neighbor's test, uh, which basically was so that she didn't have to grade the test paper. She could just have us do her job for her, I guess. As now, if you were a teacher, you would think that's brilliant. Oh, if I was a teacher, I'd be <laughs> That doesn't make it right. It just makes it what I would do. But uh, if the person grading your paper did not write their initials on it, you know, like initial that they graded it, you got a zero for something you had absolutely no control over. And I just kind of, even though she said it, I didn't really believe it was actually happening. I mean, I just thought it was silly. And of course, then I get my, my report cards and there's like straight F's. I mean, (laughs) I don't, by straight F's, I mean, there was not a D to be found. Uh, not, <laughs> what did I say in the book? I broke the glass floor or something like that. <laughs> and is this when we were talking about being catatonic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, a, that was a, you know, that was one of the more fun parts of the book to write, to write was the detail about the way I felt after receiving straight Fs. That was a, a really amazing day. Uh, and I'll never, I will never forget that day. But the, um, when, you know, the, the, yeah, about the tests, and my mom, you know, of course, has a thousand questions. And, and I said, you know, mom, I, I just would rather not talk to you about it because I know you won't believe me. And she didn't believe me. Now, I've, I never lied to my parents growing up. I really didn't. And my dad knew this. And when I told him that, it really bothered him because he knew I didn't lie. But on the other hand, what kind of a crazy human being calling herself a teacher would do such a thing? Who would, I mean, what, what type of a human being, I mean, is this, it's, it's like a, like, what is, I mean, it makes no sense that, that you would give some kid a zero because the person doing your job for you didn't put his initials. He, this guy has no control over that. And especially with a, for a student who's struggling in school, who could use yes. all the help that they can get. Really? I mean, like, I don't need that. I got enough, oh. you know, BS going on. I don't need that. But anyway, my dad, uh, I said, you know, 
my mom's like, Tommy. And so he, Tommy, I'm going to schedule a parent teacher conference. I said, well, okay, mom. And when we get there, you'll be as surprised as I was that am that, that that is the practices of this teacher. Um, so by all, by all means, let's, uh, let's schedule that up if that's what you want to do. And so you had the meeting and, and, scheduled it. and she, Tom, the meeting's in a couple of days. Are you sure? Cause I'm going to tell you, if you embarrass me, mom, just wait and see, just wait and see. I said, how else do you, I, I mean, I've never lied to you before. Why you really think, think about, you couldn't possibly not believe me. I mean, my, I never really questioned my dad about it. He hadn't anything to say. And I didn't really want to hear what my dad had to say about any of it, to be honest with you. I was glad enough that my mom was taken over because she had calmed down. I didn't want to rekindle things with dad because, well, you remember from the book, he he got really angry about the straight Fs. And when we get to the parent-teacher conference and my mom found out, and I will never forget, her mouth was just open, just just sitting there looking at my teacher. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm thinking, go get her, mom. Just bore into her, and I just want to watch this show. And it, it was just very professional, you know, which kind of bothered me. But uh, yeah, I, but I love. So there was a part that I think um, that she clearly felt like at least she was showing that she felt bad about it, and then she asked you if she can give you a hug. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wanted. Yeah, these uh, crocodile tears. You know what? It, they her tears meant nothing to me. And you use the headset to her. No, you can't have a hug. And then like, was it your dad that made you? Well, my dad gave me the uh, what we always referred to as the look. The look. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it's a thing with some dads or Italian dads or whatever it is, but he had the look. And if he gave you the look, you just automatically knew what you were supposed to do without a word being said. That was uh, how things were with my dad. So I I grudgingly gave her a hug and I went home with my parents and I guess she probably stopped doing that. And did did the class uh you know when the class found out that I was the reason why they that was no longer happening did they high five me good job right on no nothing just it just <laughs> it just it was the way it was i of course tried to get some mileage out of it but no no mileage to be had i, mean, I was i was still in the the mindset that i had to fit in and and want it i didn't realize that these kind of people i didn't really want to hang around anyway there was one story where I think it was one of your first uh, victory stories where you um, rightfully so had just, you had enough and uh, you were pretty pissed. Field day. Talking, no, talking about- not field. That, that was, that was also, <laughs> that was one of your victories. The, the, what, the one where you went to the bathroom and that punk oh, yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you know how many I times was so, I was like angry like when I read that I'm like who the hell what kind of kid does that? Like that's awful. Yeah. And I want to congratulate you on your response. Well, would you mind sharing it? No, I will. And you know, that story was actually the first, you know, ADD story I ever wrote on my blog. That that was my first entry into this community. Uh really um and it'll always be a special story to me for that. Uh, it it has by well, except for now Rudolph, because every Christmas, I mean, that thing gets killed on my site. But uh, aside from that story, 
that is the most read and most commented on story on my on any of my blogs. And yeah, I'll, I, this in the first grade, which it was a pretty pretty bad year. Uh, this kid named Roman uh, was always the the ringleader. You know, it's like the whole class could be quiet or you know, no problems. Everything's just kind of moving along. And, uh, and then Roman just gets it in his head. Hey, let's mess with, uh, that Tommy kid over there. So he just starts up and the whole class gets involved. Uh, they always followed his lead and he's just the, the ringleader from trying to get attention drawn to me about what I'm wearing or what I'm doing or something I did or didn't do, whatever it might've been. And, you know, I guess I was, fine to just let all that go. My dad did always tell me not to solve problems with violence and uh, he would be very disappointed in me if I ever did that. So it never really occurred to me. And at this point, I'd never been in a fight in my whole life. So I didn't even know what to do. But one day he went too far and I was at the urinal and he was in the stall uh, next to me, uh, the first stall by the first urinal or the last urinal. And I guess he could see my shoe pretty clearly. So he decides he'll pee on my shoe. Okay. And I didn't even realize what was happening. And, you know, by the time I realized, of course, I moved my foot away. But, you know, the damage was done. I mean, my feet were wet. My foot was wet. And I remember walking in the line and it was like, you know, step, 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 you know, and it's like all day, you know. And, you know, the smell with me the whole way. And it was just and then. Of course, Roman had to brag to all of his friends and tell them about what he did. And, and oh, yeah, yeah. And then, hey, Tom, how'd your foot get wet? You know, and it, all day, all day. And I just said, you know what? That's just it. Sorry, I'm saying this to myself, you know, sorry, Dad. I know you're not going to like it, but I don't really care. You know, I'm just, I've had enough. It just has to end. And I don't really I hope I do get kicked out of school. I really didn't care. I, I was good either way. I did not see any way that I could end up the loser. I mean, I'm basically getting my kicked every day anyway. So, I mean, what's so we're going to change it from mental to physical. Big deal. So Roman sneaks off to the bathroom like he did. Uh, he always uh, thought it was funny to. We're supposed to ask permission to go to the bathroom, but, you know, he'd just sneak off without asking because he just thought it was funny. Well, teacher didn't know that he was there, so I figure, hey, I'll just ask her to go to the bathroom. She's going to let me go. The bell's about to ring to go home. So I said, hey, you know, Miss, uh, whatever her, whatever name I used, I said, go ahead. I'm going to, is it okay if I go to the bathroom? She says, well, hurry up, Tommy, because the bell's about to ring. And I said, I know, I'll hurry. So. I went in there. My thought was he was just going to be standing at the urinal. I was just going to go and just hit him in the back of the head and just not stop until it was time to go home. But I walked in there and he wasn't at the urinal. I did see his feet sitting down in in the stall. And of course, he didn't see me come in there. So I just sort of called an audible and uh, changed the strategy. I figured he at least owed me a pair of shoes. I'm just going to reach under there. I'm going to grab his shoes and, you know, I'll take him home with me. And I think that'd be kind of funny, you know, for him to have to go home without any shoes on. But the problem is that, you know, when I did reach under and grab his shoes, his, you were an overachiever. Yes. His, 
his pants and his underwear and everything else. The only thing he had left on was a shirt. Everything came out from under that door. And the minute I pulled all that stuff out, the bell rang to go home. So I totally panicked. I just balled it all up, threw it in my book bag that was already open uh, and just ran out the door. And I went and got on the bus. And uh, I remember being on the bus looking around, you know, like, oh, man, are we going to. Uh, I wonder if they're stopping the buses like they're searching the buses like they're looking for me. I bet you're so paranoid. Oh, I was freaking out. I actually uh, crawled down on the floor in the bus, uh, you know, just like hiding. And they said, you know, people ask me, what am I doing? Oh, no, I don't know. I'm just sitting on the floor, you know, no, no reason. Just sitting on the floor, you know. It's just timing her down. Yeah, you know, I'm just, <laughs> just I'm trying to draw attention to myself while I'm trying to not draw attention to myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first grade, I don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, I couldn't believe I heard that. There's a, the sound I was waiting for, which is the air brake letting go. Bus started rolling. Boy, once we got on the road, I was like, oh, man, victory, you know. That's what it feels like. That's pretty good, you know, and it's a shame it came at the at the cost that it did. But, you know, I, it, it, it it's it's hard to explain why it's such a great feeling to, you know, rip the pants off of some first grader, throw them in your book bag and go home. But when that person is the source of everything bad in your life, you know, it, it's easy. And I've actually had. I mean, I didn't think about this before the show or I would have found the comment, but this uh, this one misguided individual said, oh, well, that's just a really funny story, Tom. That's really nice, you know, doing that to a, a first grader. And, but, you know, I know I know that blah, blah, you know, and all this. And I said, well, and I went and checked and saw how many people had read the story. And it was the first and only negative comment I think I've ever gotten on that story. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I guess it's possible that, you know, 8,400 people are wrong and you're right. But uh, thank you for your input and leaving a comment, you know. I, I love how you always handle uh, any criticism. You, 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 it's well, it, it's uh, like a playground for you now. Yeah, it kind of is. But I don't get very, you know, you would think I did. I, I do. I don't. I rarely get any kind of uh, bad, bad comments like that. But. You know, the thing, yeah, and you said that after that, that point, he kind of left you alone. Well, he, it, the thing is, it was like four days left in the school year. Okay. So basically the entire attention span of the first grade class, well, cause well, and, okay, the next day I get to school and man, I walked in there proud as a peacock, you know, I mean, I was just, <laughs> I, I mean, I felt like you know, Teflon coated. I mean, Hey, I just, I just, and I didn't care. I didn't want anybody. No, I didn't have any, I didn't have any friends. So it wasn't like I, you know, when you, once you do something like you want to tell your friends, man, you're not going to believe what I did. You know, if you don't have any friends, <laughs> you don't have anybody to tell to. So there was no way I was giving it up. No one was ever going to know what happened. And the teacher never even put it together that I went to the bathroom. I was so wondering about that. Never did. And, but anyway, we got into the class and it was it was the teacher, uh, the principal, the assistant principal, and Roman's parents. Oh, so you're, you're probably like, oh, crap. 
and her, his mother was up there crying about what a wonderful, you know, boy uh, Roman was and how, and I'm just sitting here. I so wanted to just jump up and, 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 and tell her exactly who her son was, but it just didn't seem like it was going to do me any good. I was, I was just perfectly happy to just watch the tears run down her face. I mean, that is the amount of, and I'm not proud of this part. I'm telling you quite seriously, I'm not, I'm not proud to say what I'm going to say right now, but honestly, it got that bad that I watched this woman I'd never met crying in front of a class full of children and watching the tears go down her face gave me joy because, you know, it's just, you know, I, I remember thinking, yeah, well, you know what? There's not a chance that you're going to shed the amount of tears that my own mother has all year long today. So, you know, open the gate, open the floodgates, lady, because you're not going to affect me one bit with that. I mean, I mean you're, you're, course, you're six years old stood, at the time. His right? dad just stood there like the asshole. I'm sure he probably was. And he's had nothing to say. So I, I, I didn't. You know, it wasn't until years later that I felt kind of bad about it. But looking back on it now, I, I'd do it again. You know, and and I, I get it. I mean, you, you were, and you know, one of the things that that is interesting in the the world of kind of a, in, of bullying. You know, we used to as adults and teachers used to tell you know kids who got bullied just just ignore them and walk away. The thing is, that doesn't work at all, and the research isn't even showing that now, and so. Finally, like we're we're empowering kids to stand up for themselves more and how to do it, and uh, you know, and so I was, you know, even though like it was, like you didn't, the results were were, um, you know, they had, they had its effects. I was kind of proud of you for doing it, like, because I mean, you were you like were being kicked down every day, and I was just like, good, like get back at him. And I'm not saying that revenge is a good thing always, but there was a line, yeah. And, you know, it was so, you know, that was me, you know, against the one person. But now probably the most difficult uh, socially for me was in the fourth grade. And that's when I had that teacher who uh, basically embarrassed me in front of the whole class, asked me if I forgot to bring my thinking cap. Is this, course, when you, this is the one you went to ask her for help and you were like afraid to ask her for help. And you no, went, that was in the sixth grade. Yeah, that was okay. in the sixth grade. That was with the teacher who uh, gave me zeros for not getting my paper initial. Uh, no, this was in the fourth grade and you'll, you'll know the story in a second. And I mean, I got, I, I had zero friends uh, except this one kid who moved away about a month into the year. I don't even remember his name, but no friends. And, and it was just every day, every day. And I, and I was one of the biggest uh, academic struggles that I had was in the fourth grade. Uh, and, it looked like I was finally going to squeak by, but near the end of the year, they had field day. Okay. Now it happened that, and of course there was a Roman, not Roman, but a Roman guy in the class, you know, the guy who basically uh, organized all of the, uh, the rhetoric that mm -hmm. would be directed at me. And I don't even remember his name, but it, we were out on the playground and the teacher asked us to, you know, do different things like who could throw the Frisbee the farthest. Well, my Frisbee went farther than everyone else's. And I didn't realize what she was doing. 
but she was trying to find out, she was picking people for, for the field day events, which if you don't know what field day is, I know they probably call it different stuff. It's when the, you know, all the fourth grade classes come together and compete in some of these, you know, games of, you know, events at the end of the school, all these events and see who wins at the end of the day. And it's supposed to be a really fun thing. Well, my class, uh, course elected me for the frisbee throw since i threw the frisbee and they were all like wow wow that's what you know they said man we are that's great you know all these people who who were just awful people to me for the purposes of this frisbee throw had decided to temporarily become my friends and well i just found that unacceptable so i told the teacher i do not want to be in the frisbee throw and she told me well you are going to be in the frisbee throw and that's the end of it it's not a discussion so I'm like, well, okay. So I went to practice, you know, every day we'd go out and practice and I would throw that Frisbee as hard as I could. And I'd try to go farther and farther. As far as I could throw that Frisbee, I would throw it at practice all the time. I never gave anyone any reason to think that I wasn't all about coming home with the big W. But then it was field day. And when they called all the, the contestants, and everybody had to be in three events. And I was in the, well, tug of war and the potato sack race and, of course, the Frisbee thing. But that Frisbee was first. And when they called all the people down to be in the Frisbee, th- man, my class yelled and screamed my name. And, yeah, yeah, you know, just like, and it wouldn't have mattered who if whoever got was in the Frisbee throw, they'd have been yelling for that person. It wasn't like the screams were really for me. It was just to motivate me like, hey, we're sorry for this, but just, hey, help us out with this one thing because we really want to win the ice cream party. So, you know, I proudly walked down on that field and I stood on the line with all the other, uh, you know, six or however many fourth grade classes there were. And I went last. It was just the way the line worked. And I watched these guys throw it, and I, each one that threw it, I knew I could throw it farther than they could. And they all threw it. And then it came down to me, and I just shuffled that thing about five feet in front of me and just watched it hit the ground, knowing it wasn't enough to lose. I needed, I needed us to be embarrassed. See, I was going to take the hit regardless. Win or lose, I'm taking the hit. I, the, the only way to achieve victory here was to bring as much shame on the entire class in in one fail swoop as I possibly could. And I just flicked my wrist and it just landed five feet in front of me and just poof of dust when it And hit was the- this like your plan the whole time? Oh yeah. From the moment she said I had no choice, I knew I had a choice. She didn't realize I had a choice. My choice was not to benefit my classmates in any way. I made that choice before I ever even asked her or told her I didn't want to do it. It was her decision to bring shame on the whole class rather than just to allow Tom to just sit on his ass on the side of the field where he didn't have to be, you know, a part of this because I had no interest in it. It was enough for me to know I could have won. I know I I know we would have won. There was no one who threw it farther than I knew that I could. And I, it was so, it felt so great. And then the potato sack race, and I can't even really remember the order of all this, but you know, this one, we had to, you had to go down one side and then uh, up, you know, go to, go across the field and then you had to switch and then go back. 
Well, this guy was, he was like holding me. Like, I'm, I mean, you know, so that I looked really bad, you know, like I couldn't go very fast, but he was holding my feet back and not letting me go as fast because I was really, I think, I think the Frisbee show might've, I don't remember the order, but anyway, I was, I figured as long as it's me and this other guy, I was, but he wouldn't even, and he was like pulling me, like almost stopped. So, you know, I just, I'm, I just stopped and said, okay, man, I mean, I'm good. You know, we can just sit here. <laughs> so we finally did, you know, get across the field and everybody else was already on their way back. It was ours to lose. Well, his idea was since he was so good at this potato, or not the potato segment, the wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's when he was, because that didn't make sense. No, he's pulling me back. Like I'm trying to walk with my hands. He's trying to pull back because it's the wheelbarrow, not the potato sack race. So on the way back, he wants to, the reason he did that is because he wanted me to be the reason we were in the losing. And then he wanted to be the person who just pulled ahead in everybody like the hero's victory. Well, trust me, I, I realized that. And that was not going to happen because I did the opposite with him. I just pushed him faster than I knew he could run with his hands. And it kept driving his face into the gravel and the, the dirt. His face looked like a, the, a piece of hamburger uh, <laughs> by the time this thing was over. He had, I mean, I wouldn't have done it as much as I had if I had seen what his face would look like when it was finished. And we still came in dead last. And uh, you know, he, kept, he kept falling. No one blamed and then now the, the, the last event was the tug of war. Now, what's special about this event is that my teacher uh, had never lost tug of war. Not ever. In the history of her teaching career on field day, she has won tug of war every single year and never lost except the year. <laughs> <laughs> she asked the wrong person to come to class with their thinking cap from now on because after the after the the joy I had felt from the wheelbarrow race and the frisbee throw, I hadn't even planned on doing anything for the the tug of war. I just wrote it off that we were probably going to win that since she'd always won. But then I asked myself, you know, I wonder if I put forth a little effort. <laughs> I wonder if there's anything I can do to facilitate a learning experience for my teacher who allowed all this to go on and who participated in this. Uh, so that she could be one of those hip teachers that all the kids liked. Well, that's fine. Uh, so it came time for the tug of war. Now, I didn't even realize what I was going to do yet. And while I was on the tug of war, I lost my footing and actually did uh, slip. And I, when I slipped, I was using the rope to hold myself up, which was pulling, you know, help, basically it was helping the other team. When I tried to get up, I accidentally kicked this guy's feet out from under him. And now that's two people not pulling, basically working for the other team, not meaning to. And then the other team won. They, they won that little, that match. Okay. I mean, there was like three, three, three strikes and you're out with the tug of war. So I'm like, well, hey, I didn't even try. And I know that I'm the reason. So I just repeated that, except for I really got his feet out from under him early, and I was in a different part of the rope then. And uh, the third, and I did, and we did that three times, and we lost tug of war. We lost everything. Uh, we were dead last, you know. And 
I was so thrilled to death that all the people that wanted ice cream weren't giving it. And then to find out after all of it was over <laughs> is that they were going to give everybody ice cream anyway. I didn't even want any ice cream after that. I, 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 my stomach was so turned around with disappointment from the fact that we got rewarded for my efforts. My efforts to cause us to lose warranted nothing because everybody got ice cream anyway. And it turned my stomach in such a way that I couldn't even eat any of it. I didn't even want any ice cream. I mean, I'm in the fourth, I'm in the fourth grade. Was that made me like 10 years old or something? Uh, nine, nine probably. Yeah. yeah. Nine years old and I don't want any ice cream. Yeah. I mean, I had, I mean, my stomach was just, I was just pissed. You tried so hard and you I, succeeded I, I and really, then still you don't get the results. Yeah, but we still lost. I mean, it was it. Hey, it felt it, good. And to highlight, you know, you know, a strength for you, Tom, in this whole situation, you said you were planning this for like three or four days. You know, planning is typically not a strength of somebody with ADHD. So here you are, you know, nine year old Tommy Nardone, who carried through a plan for days on end, sustained your attention on it and inhibited letting anybody know about it. I mean, that's an ADHD win. It is. Uh, but to be honest with you, it took me about two seconds to realize all I was going to do is throw that thing. I didn't, I honestly never planned to only throw it five feet. I actually planned to make it look good, but then I figured if they don't know what I'm doing, then what's the point? I, then I'm just playing into what they think I probably would do anyway. I, I don't want to, I don't need any more aggravation from them. I want them to know that I did it on purpose. So I just, what was it? So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to take a quick break and, and there's so many other good stories in this book. We're not going to get to all of them because. We're I, not. And when we get back, what I was wanting to do is I wanted to talk about the reasons why I wrote my book. It's my show. We're going to talk about what I want to talk about. Well, we're not going <laughs> to talk about what you want to talk about. We're going to talk about what I want to talk about. And when we get back, we're going to talk about that. So go to on to your little blip, 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 break or whatever you want to, uh, or is it going to, is it going <laughs> to one of those acapella advertisements and uh, let's pay the bills and get this show on the road. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. Next session begins in early May. Go to coachingrewired.com and prepare to get your ADHD rewired. Go to audibletrial.com slash ADHD rewired for your free audiobook download. And we are back after our acapella break. Uh, <laughs> so and, now I, I, I so enjoyed reading this book and there were so many stories. I, I don't know if you've shared this story about the Halloween incident. I don't even want you to share it if you haven't yet, because I want people to get your book. All I want to say is that I gasped at the story of the, the Brody Bricker story and what he, what he dressed up for Halloween. If, so if you've never shared it before on your podcast or anywhere else, 
make people get the book. Tell, tell people where they can get the book. And I know like you hate promoting, so I'm making you do it because it's That's an awesome book and you should buy it. Okay. Uh, it's at tomnardone.net forward slash book. And I want you guys. And if you go to tomnardone.net or the tomnardoneshow.com, there are links to the sales page. And I want you guys to listeners right now to realize that, that, I mean, this truly is an extraordinary book from just the storytelling aspect of it. And it's just, it's a book with hearts and, and character and a lot of humor. Um, and it, you know, it has an uplifting uh, kind of ending to it, but I want you to realize how much power you guys have the listening audience. You could double and maybe even triple his sales. If you go and get one of these books. I mean, I have had so many conversations with Tom about you have to promote this book and he wants nothing to do with that. So I'm taking the liberty of this to to say that go to his website, get the book um, and then share it with teachers. I think teachers should should be required to reading um, because I don't think that if a teacher, uh, if there's any kind of ADHD deniers kind of out there. I think you read this and, and it, I mean, it just, you're, you'd be a sociopath to not change your behaviors uh, after reading this book. So why, why did you write this book, Tom? Well, when, you know, I do a lot of, most of what I do, nearly all of what I do now is for the purposes of, of entertaining uh, people uh, with ADHD and, you know, not in not that there's anything wrong with them trying to change and become better people. I, I I do respect anyone's desire to do such a thing, but there are many of us who who do not, and uh, I don't like the idea of those people feeling like they have to do this or they should do this. So, you know, I and I have a, the feedback I've got is exactly what I would have hoped to have got is that people really are appreciating it. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, to, to listen to people use a word, word in regard to my show, uh, that's like binge listening. You know, I love that word. Me too. Know, especially when love it's it. in regard to my own show. <laughs> uh, but you see, I didn't, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I, I felt like I needed to have a little bit of credibility associated with me or anything like that. It was, you know, that it, it, it is a real struggle. It was for me. And I know that it is for uh, a lot of other people. And I've had, you know, parents, you know, of, of kids, you know, reach out to me just recently, as a matter of fact, and ask me questions like that. And I thought, you know, if people realize what it was like for me to grow up, uh, with ADHD, you know, at a time where they didn't know that it was anything, there was no such word as far as I knew or any of the people that I was around, maybe they could get some kind of an understanding, uh, either to what their son has gone through or what their son or daughter is currently going through every day. You know, this could be the exact kind of thing that that they're dealing with right now. I mean, this, this is, this was, you know, my inner monologue at the time that all this stuff was going on. And, you know, I really, or, and I also wrote it for 
people who recently found out that they were ADHD so that they could, you know, read this and say, wow, you know, man, this is exactly, you know, the same thing that, that, you know, I'd forgotten about that or I'd forgotten, you know, and that was my hope. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of uh, feedback about that, that, that is, I mean, what feedback I've gotten is, uh, you know, that people really enjoyed the book and that they really could relate to it. So, you know, it was, you know, I consider the book a success regardless of, uh, <laughs> regardless of, of, of sales. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I have just so thrilled, uh, at, at the, at the, uh, response that I've gotten from it, but uh, it was, you know, because I, I really do care about, you know, these people, you know, our people, I, I, I it, it kills me to think about, you know, some kid tomorrow, you know, well, tomorrow's Saturday, but Monday is going to go to school and he's going to be in a similar situation to what I was in. I mean, they are out there. They really are. And, you know, if, I mean, gosh, if, if even one parent got reached, you know, that, that'd be something. And that's really why I did it. And I did it on my vacation. Uh, I just sort of started writing and I just got obsessed and I just wrote the whole thing in like six days. Amazing. It's, it's, I just couldn't mind. stop. It was, it's not, it's, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big deal and it's a great thing and all that, but you know, it wasn't any different than any video game I've ever gotten. It's just happened to be, this was yeah. a book. I mean, you know, I got fallout and you know, I didn't want to do anything. It didn't make any sense to, to me to do anything that wasn't fallout because that's my game. That's what I'm yeah. doing. That's what I do now when I'm not at work. Well, I'm on vacation. I was writing my book. It was just an obsession like any video game would be. It wasn't any, you know, kind of thing like, oh, I buckled down and really just, you know, reached into my inner self. And I mean, it was nothing dramatic like that. It was just, I got obsessed with it. And, you know, as you can now relate to, it was, I mean, imagine how the first, I don't know, seven or eight chapters of that book are, you know, and you know, it's not an easy read, uh, in, in for, for some people. I mean, imagine how awful that is. And I'm trying to write myself out of that period of time. So that was another, that was the real motivation was I need to write this. I need to get this stuff written down so that I can get to the fun stuff, like the current stuff in my life. That's great. And that's going on now, you know, and some of the better stories when I get out of school and get out of the Navy, you know, and all that other stuff. It's just uh, really, I, I needed to, because I was actually there mentally and I had to escape it. I had to clear my, you know, I was just, I was running. I, I can only imagine how like emotionally both cathartic and difficult writing that, that was for you. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to quote one of, I know your favorite author is uh, Brene Brown. Um, who said, <laughs> okay, let me just say something. I really, I've never read Brene Brown. I, I don't have an opinion about her. It's just that you did one show with Justine Rotolo and it's like, I almost, it's like, okay, I don't want to hear that person's name one more time. <laughs> it's like every other person. Oh, it's like, Oh God, you know, get a new hero. Well, now, I, I wish I could, but I can't. Cause um, you know, she's, she's fantastic. But one yeah. of the things that she says that I think that will resonate with you is that when you share your story, you get to write the final chapters. 
And, you know, and, and I think that's a lot of what your, your book is like, you're sharing your story. You, you get to write the next chapter. And, uh, um, and so I, I think it's an amazing story to share. Um, I want to take us a little bit to the Navy. There was one, um, I know that you've shared, I think, um, I think it was maybe on my podcast a while back about the whole painting uh, fiasco. So I, you either share that on yours or mine. So it's, it's in the archives on one of our shows. But I don't want to do that one. I want you to share. And I was, I was just like, man, that takes brass balls when you stood up to um, the, the guy where the, the, uh, the thing wasn't closed and the submarine was coming down. To tell the story, because I'm, I'm oh, messing the, up. The head. Um, all right. I was on a submarine in the Navy, and I was fascinated by the submarine and how it works. It was required that we knew every system on the boat, every single one, how they worked, how to operate them, if you know necessary. Uh, even though we never would operate them, we had to know it. But it was fine with me because I would have done that whether we had to or not. I was interested in it. I was just fascinated at the whole, you know, engineering marvel that a submarine is. And, you know, I, I got involved in, you know, a few different projects there that I didn't really have to be involved in just because I just, man, I was like the head valve one time. I wanted to see how the thing worked. I wanted to know what was happening, you know, on the boat when I was down there doing switches and valves, what was happening up there, you know. And the head valve is just, you know, it's the thing that when we come up to periscope depth or when we surface, the head valve opens and that's where we bring air in to the boat. Uh, it's fresh air so we can breathe it. And obviously we have to shut the thing before we dive. There's even these two electrodes. And if the boat accidentally dives, the head valve's supposed to automatically shut uh, temporarily until we come back up. Well, when it shuts, uh, it indicates, uh, you know, if, if it, when it comes up all the way, it says open. When it goes down even a little bit, it just indicates closed. Now, that's, that's inc it shouldn't be that way, but it was. There's also a little stem on the top of it that goes flush with the top of the housing that is a mechanical indicator that the head valve is shut. Okay, well, we were out. And we were about to, Exo gave the order to dive the ship. Chief of Watch is not looking at the monitor because that's not his job. He hits the switch, head valve indicates shut. And the Exo had the periscope trained on the head valve and watched it. And the little stem didn't go all the way down. It just went down a little bit. How were you able to tell that it did that? Because they turn the periscope to the uh, back of the boat and lower it to where it's level with the housing and there's a monitor you can watch in the control room that will so show you, were, you what so you were watching that yeah i was watching the monitor and i saw the stem was still sticking up and i said xo the head valve is not shut and he goes excuse me now the xo already hated me what does xo stand for executive officer oh, okay that's right he couldn't he was second in command the whole boat and he goes, excuse me, a petty officer? Nard oh, I'm sorry, Fireman Nardone? Because I wasn't even a petty officer, which is E4. I was E3. And uh, I said, yes, the head valve is not shut. And he goes, he goes, well, you know, I got like 14 years in. Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, okay, sir, I'm, congratulations on all that. But the head valve isn't shut. Now, were, just, you say, were you saying it like this? It's very kind of matter of fact. Kind of. Yeah. 
Okay. I mean, I wasn't disrespectful. I said, and I probably said with all due respect and blah, 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 this, which is so stupid. But anyway, so he starts raising hell with me and the captain walks in. He says, what the hell's going on in here, XO? And he, he goes, well, uh, you know, Fireman Nardone here is uh, trying to tell me how to stand my watch. And uh, the captain looks at me and says, and captain loved me. He says, Nardone. Are you trying to stand the XO's watch for him? And I said, no, the XO's trying to dive your boat with the head valve open, and I'm trying to get him to stop it. But he's so adamant about wanting to dive it with the head valve open that he wants to yell at me. And now you're in here. And now we're all involved in this, you know. And the XO just was, he, he his face was red. And he goes, okay, okay. Now, no, 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 why do you say the head valve is open? I said, because the stem, look at the monitor. I said, look at it. He goes, yeah, I thought that pin is supposed to be all the way down. I said, it is. He goes, well, hold on. Let's get Chief Crampert up here. So <laughs> they woke, I mean, they, my word's not good enough. <laughs> so they woke up Chief Crampert and he comes up and they said, Chief Crampert, look at that head valve. And he says, yeah. And he goes, is it open or shut? He says, it's open. And he goes, how do you know? He goes, because the stem's sticking out of the top of it. He goes, if the, the stem is flush with the top of the housing when it's shut. And I, and I just, this is awesome. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I said, Captain, what I think happened is I happen to know that the maintenance schedule, the head valve was on it for this past import period. It, the rules state that there needs to be a, a block of wood in there to keep somebody from getting their fingers chopped off in case it inadvertently closed while they were working on it. Probably what happened is whoever was doing it left the block of wood in there. That's why the XO saw the pin go down a little bit because that was the head valve hitting the block of wood and it, it couldn't complete the cycle. So, you know, probably if you were to have somebody run up there and they probably find a block of wood shoved into the head valve and then it would shut and we could dive. And he says, okay, Petty Officer Nardone. I'm going to go ahead and surface the ship on your word. And uh, I hope you're right. So we surfaced the ship and okay, fine. I'm just sitting there in the control room. I'm not even worried. And the exos glaring at me. So hoping that, you know, there's not a block of wood up there, you know, and the captain looks at me and he says, boy, Nardone, I hope you got this one, right? I won't be able to save you. And uh, I said, well, you're not going to have to save me, captain. I'll be fine. And the guy goes up, and I wasn't even paying attention. I mean, I, I knew he was, I knew what he was going to find. Sure enough, he comes down with this <laughs> this wet block of wood, and he goes, yeah, Captain, this was in the head valve. And I said, <laughs> it was so. And anyway, the, the, ex, the captain says, okay, uh, Mr. Mather, why don't you take off to the deck? Exo, come on down to the stateroom. I'm going to have to chat with you. And uh, – <laughs> It was a long chat, and the XO actually came and apologized to me, uh, you know. When you were finding Romans. <laughs> yeah, but trust me, I stayed away from him until the day he left. I, I never went near that guy because I didn't because he would have buried me the first chance he had. It's just, you know, but I was interested in being and, on the story, and I did, I did very well at it because I liked it, but not enough to keep doing it. I just didn't like going to sea. 
you know, I said at the very beginning of our interview that uh, you're a complicated person. Um, and so it's something like that. Or I'm like, you're a person of integrity. And like, that's a, a, to me is like, you're willing to put yourself out there. Like you were like a hundred and you're hundred percent sure of this. You knew the risk of, of going against a, you know, a, a, an officer. Like oh, he could have ended me. Yeah. Oh, you knew, hey, but, but you knew that what you were doing was going to save the ship. Yeah, I did. I mean, save the ship. I, well, you know, it would have saved the, you know, the auxiliary department a whole lot of work when we got back, maybe. But I don't. I mean, if there's safeguards. Uh, you know, it wouldn't have. You know, it would. Have, it, the captain would have been really embarrassed to have to come in and do a repair like that. I would think for something so stupid. So there's one part and the XO, of, and the XO would have been relieved <laughs> duty. I mean, he did. He, of course, the, he didn't want to. You know. He was just a difficult bastard the whole time I knew him. It wasn't just that. It was other stuff. There was one part of the book, I think it was shortly after you got out of the Navy, that I was actually really surprised by. All right. Do you have any idea which one that is? I have no idea. And, and it surprises me because, you know, you're not doing anything to promote your book, but that you were really good at sales for a job. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got burned out on it, man. And like everything else, you know, it started out good. I was making great money and then it just went away. No, you know, they just, it was selling satellite dishes door to door. And you were like top dog, like selling a ton of satellite dishes. I was the best. And so naturally the way the world works is, uh, you know, as soon as Tom finds a a place in a niche that he can really excel and and do very well in, (laughs) Uh, it goes away. It it just ends without his any through no fault of my own. It just you know it was selling satellite dishes door to door, and then of course places like Lowe's and Home Depot and Walmart just and and any place just gives all the equipment away and then just charges for the programming, which I made money on selling the equipment, which of course they were now giving away. So it's kind of hard to sell something for dollars. They can just go get for free. I, mean, I, I just free. remember, I just remember thinking, I'm like. Just get a break. Oh my, like you're having some success and, oh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hence the 21 jobs in a single year and, uh, you know, it getting, I mean, getting fired, man. You know, I remember my dad was, I mean, it wasn't like he said it a lot, but he was, he was proud of the fact that he'd never been fired from a job, you know? And I remember thinking, well, man, that's that's really great. You know, and like the first time I got fired, it was really bad. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it was happening. I remember the job. It was at uh, uh, this place. They make fuel injectors out here. They're, I'm sure they're well, they may or may not still be around. But uh, and I couldn't imagine. Well, I thought everything was going fine. But, yeah, they fired me. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, OK. I mean, I was there like a month, you know. And then it just sort of kept happening and I just sort of got used to it. You know, I mean, I kind of, I could tell like, I remember this one guy was walking up to me. I said, I've seen that look. That is the look that I'm about to get fired. And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. And, uh, you know, and there was a few jobs that I quit just because I didn't like the boss. I just quit. And of course the way I'd quit a job is I never leave notice. I, you know, the only notice I left was, Hey, notice I'm going home and never coming back. That was about as much notice as they were going to get from me. Uh, because I think that's stupid. I mean, when's the did you ever get noticed before you get fired? Hey, listen, we're unhappy with you. And in two weeks, you're no longer going to work here. See, I've never been given that. 
Therefore, I do not feel compelled to give notice if I'm going to leave a job. This idea that because they are your employer that you owe them something beyond what you do, you know, like you're supposed to act better than them. I, I don't accept that. So I'm not saying I would never leave notice, but if it was a, you know, depends on the place, I suppose. Mm. I mean, I have left notice before. If it's a place that I respect the people, like where I am now, I would leave notice if I were to leave Home Depot. But, you know, that, that, that's been almost become, well, I hate to use the word career, but. You, you really like that job, career. though. Huh? You really like working there. You know, I do. I've, I mean, I, I never really thought. I mean, I've been there be 17 years in April, which I never thought I'd have a job that long. Wow. I'd never, I mean, I'd never had a job 17 weeks, you know, at before Home Depot. You know, I mean, I'd always get fired or quit or whatever. I mean, I just think it's so, I mean, you, the fact that how accepting they are of, of <laughs> you, you on your apron, you have, hello, I am ADHD, right? Yeah, it says, hi. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it was a couple of days ago, actually, before I went on vacation. And this man saw that. He goes, says, your name's ADHD? And I said, <laughs> my apron says, hi, I'm ADHD. My name is Tom Nardone. Okay. Uh, I said, no. I said, you know, I um, ADHD Awareness Month was back in October, and I it's you know, which I'm probably going to just make that a normal, my normal apron. I'll probably just write that up because, you know, I haven't got any, not one negative comment about it from anybody. That's so awesome. I've had several cashiers tell me, hey, that one guy had the ADHD on his apron. I thought that was really nice, you know, or really good. A lot of people have shared that with me. But this one man, man, he really got to me. Uh, he uh, said, do you mind terribly if, if I ask you a couple of questions and i said well oh he asked me he goes why do you have adhd on your your apron and i said i said well why do you ask me that he goes well i want to ask you a couple questions if it's okay and i said oh yeah go ahead so he really gets into this story about his son okay uh something that happened at school and uh you know he is blaming himself he's wondering if he did something wrong as a parent and really just being down, I said, well, listen, uh, what you don't want to do is blame yourself because it isn't your fault. I said, there's plenty of theories about what causes it. And I don't give one any more credence than the other. I said, uh, it's just a unique way that, you know, a small group of people in the, in the world think. And I said, you know, there are ups and downs, you know, but the fleas come with the dog, you know, they're while your son might be a little short fused and, uh, you know, tempered. I said, perhaps he makes up for that in his creativity, his empathy for, for others. Maybe, uh, you know, in, in, you know, he goes, well, you know, I've, I've often believed that myself. And, and we got into this long conversation about his son. And as he was leaving, I said, sir, you remember the first question you asked me? He said, well, I said, you asked, why do I have this on my apron? And uh, he goes, yeah. And I said, the last 20 minutes that we've been standing here talking, that's why. It was really nice to meet you. Mm. You know, just 
just from what, from doing that on my apron, you know, and it was, a, you know, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that story. Tom, you're a good man. Oh, I try. Um, I'm trying to think, um, you had, I kind of want to end it there, but I mean, there's so many good other, other stories. I mean, from, from Chet to, uh, was kind of your your uh, guardian ADHD angel in a way. Why, why don't you just do two shows a week and you can just like do your show, and then like Tuesday midweek, so like on Friday or Saturday, you'd read a chapter from my book and just post that. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom, we, maybe if, here's here's you can the tell idea. Every story in the book by reading it. I I mean it's. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this this phrase because I know you love research. Research says that you know spoilers don't actually spoil it. It's the experience, the enjoyment of of seeing how it all unravels. So even though you've heard a bunch of these stories today, it is absolutely worth uh, getting a copy. Oh yeah, we've barely scratched the surface. I mean, you know, honestly, the most and I don't want to talk about any of these stories because it's just, it, it's the one section that I don't talk about. It's not because of any reason other than just, you know, I, I don't want, I don't still want my whole book out there and, you know, give people reasons not to go buy it. I mean, people have apparently found plenty of those, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but is all the stuff with my ex-wife that was those to me, in from my opinion is the funniest stories in the book. And and they're not like the redneck ex-wife kind of back and forth drama. It was just because, see, that was really that moment was the first time I, you know, one, one part that I struggled writing with was just before all that, which was the first time I took my medication. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to make that a really a special part of the book was with the, you know, because I really didn't want to take it. I had the pills and didn't even bother with them for days. I mean, I just, I wasn't interested in how it was going to make me feel. I didn't, I didn't like the idea of having to take a pill so that I could change in a way that other people would, would find acceptable. I didn't feel like, like I should have to take a pill so that they can deal with me. If they can either, because I didn't care, they can deal with me or not. They can like me or not. I don't, I do not care. I honestly do not. And it irritated me that, that I was the one, maybe they should be taking a pill so that they they can, uh, you know, feel better about hanging out with me, or they could just do us both the favor and leave me the hell alone. I would have been good either way, but you know, it occurred to me that it maybe wasn't, maybe that was just going to be a healthy side effect. Perhaps it might make me feel better. Perhaps it might make me happier, you know, and it did. And but the the stuff with uh with Diane, you know, I love those. I mean, I I was laughing right as I wrote those stories. I was laughing so hard writing them. I mean, I was I I mean taking breaks from reading so I could recover so was, that I could actually pretty awesome. Write. Yeah. Uh some amazing stuff um uh there. But it was I I enjoyed writing the book, you know. I mean, parts of it I did. But, you know, like the parts with when my father passed, Yeah, you know, I'll just tell you, ma'am, I don't think I, 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 I would probably say that it felt as bad 
at the time I was writing about it as when the day it happened, mm. you know, it, it brought me back there. It was that dramatic. It was, it really was, it was, uh, an incredible, uh, thing. I couldn't even, I, I remember up here asking myself, why am I doing this to myself for no reason? Cause I know this book will never get published. This is just stupid. This is just, it's, I mean, I can't honestly can't believe I even finished it. I, I'm, that's the most shocking thing. I did, but I just had to get to the end. I just had to get to the end. Are you still like, when you see the book, are you still like, like do you have that thought of, I can't believe I actually published a book. No, no? you know, not it. I don't feel any differently. It doesn't, I mean, I don't know how it feels for like real authors to, to be like a real author. Like, you know, like you write a book and then, you know, people go out and buy it. Now I don't know what that might feel like, but I think you know, the, I think the ADHD <laughs> rewired community though is going to change that for you. Come on, guys, we got to we got to rally for Tom. It's, it's almost like it's almost like if you know you drew a, a picture and then somebody else painted it up on a billboard for a bunch of people to see. You know, it's not. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm sure there's a really good analogy for the way I feel about the whole thing, but I, I don't know. It's. I'm not. You know, and I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but it does, it bears repeating this is I'm, I'm happy that I wrote the book. I don't, if I only sold 10 copies and I'm well past 10, but it, it well past, <laughs> uh, and I, I'll never reveal the exact number. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably more than what we're making it seem like it is, but you know, the only, the one, the one review that, that really rings out. It was a, a person who's would rather not ever be named. Uh, it's a person I work with and, you know, she uh, got my book. She found out, I didn't really know her that well, but she found out I wrote a book and just very casually asked what it was about. And I told her, and she was very interested and asked me, you know, I'll bring the money. Would you mind bringing me a copy? Do you have one? I said, sure. So I signed it for her. And she read it in like four days. She'd, you know, confessed she'd never read an entire book from cover to cover before. Mm -hmm. So that was the first one, which she That's found it very easy to read. I made it, I tried to work hard to go through every sentence and make sure that the book was easy to read for particularly for people with ADHD. Cause I can't really read a novel cause I can't keep the characters straight. So I really did work hard to try to make it easy for people to read, but she read the whole thing. Uh, the, very next day was on the phone with the doctor and made an appointment. And, you know, she's on medication now as a result of that. And her whole life is different. Uh, I, you can, I see her now, you know, and she's just different. She's, she is complete. It to me, you know, chasing kites, that is, I, I'm okay about it. Whatever happens now, I'm okay. You know, because, because I got to see that. And, and and that's Tom why I, that's why I want you to promote the book because I know it will change people's lives. Like it, it will. I, I know that it will. And I know how I mean, um a couple of weeks ago I spoke at a uh this conference that it's the second year speaking at, and I had this woman come up to me uh after after my presentation and uh came up to me and said, you know, last year I uh, I saw you you speak at this this conference and she I think she was a like a recreation therapist. And she said, like, the reason I came to your presentation was not what I thought was going to happen. She said, last year when you spoke, like, you changed my life. 
And like, I mean, and she was crying, like sharing that with me. And then I started crying. I mean, it's like sharing these stories changes people's lives. Cause like it, it, it makes people realize that they're not alone, that, that there is a shared struggle in that. And when we share it, there's a shared humanity. And that's, you know, that's where empathy, community connection comes from. And I think that, you know, Tom, you and I do our work in a very different way. And I think it's equally as important. Well, I, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I did want to mention this at some point, but you know, your, your guest last week, uh, Sean Winchester, Mm -hmm. and that was a tremendous, uh, show. I mean, what a, what a great guy. It was, uh, just a really cool man to, you know, I mean, that you think about, I mean, people in our community, they know who we are, but this guy had like, like real, like real fame, you know, but he was so excited and your interview with him was like the one he most was looking forward to his whole life. I mean, you'd think at some point maybe, Rolling Stone might have interviewed him for something. And he, I mean, that, that's kind of stuff, man. That's just really cool, man. I mean, the, you know, a guy can be that humble. Yeah, Hell, I'm not I that was, humble. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know if you can tell, but I thought I would share with everyone else. My face is turning beet red right now. <laughs> when, when he said, when he said in the beginning of that interview that like, this was the most important podcast. At first, I, most important interview he's done. I thought he was pulling my chain at first and he was being totally like genuine. Oh yeah, man. I, I, he was so candid and man, just a, just a great, I mean, just, but it seems like you're doing more shows like that now. It seems, you know, you're doing more shows of, you know, having just people on to tell their story. And, you know, it's such a, a cool thing, you know, that, you know, I mean, it's weird how people associate, you know, me, not knowing me, you know, and it's like, I might just, like, I made a comment to this one person. They've made a comment on my show and I commented back. Now, if they went to all the shows, they'd probably see that I comment on just about every comment, but it was such a big deal that I commented that, oh my God, I can't believe you answered. It's like, who do you think I am? I mean, I'm just, I mean, look, I have a crappy job that I go to and have to do it for 40 hours and you know, I mean, I, it's not, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, okay. Hey, you know, cool. You know, I, Hey, I'm really glad, you know, and you know, I, I just, I like talking to the people that listen to the show and that, that want to comment back. It's, it's, I wouldn't do it if that weren't part of it. You know, I wouldn't, it's that it is about the fans. It's for me, it's about, you know, I mean, I enjoy hanging out with Yvonne, but we don't need to rig up all these microphones and stuff to have a conversation. You know, we share it because it's fun to interact with, with the people that listen. That's, that's the, the, you know, that's why I do it. I don't make a dime for, <laughs> it costs me money to, to do this. So, I mean, I do enjoy it or I wouldn't do it. So please donate to the Tom Nardone charity fund by uh, going to his website and buying a couple of copies of his books. Yes. Hey, do this, man. Make me one of those acapella song uh, commercials and stick that in your, stick that in your lineup. What would you like it to, uh, like for like make a commercial for your book or yeah, for your podcast? Just, yeah. Free one. Just, uh, you know, to contribute. <laughs> Tom, whatever you want me to do, man, I'll do it for you. Just, no, I'm just, uh, just, kidding, just ask. Just do the song, man. 
to do the song. Wait, wait, which song? The... Hey, you know what though? I forgot about this. I'll actually I'll play the bumper. I love that you actually did do a little short, little miniature song called, I guess, the Tom Nardone show that I used on one of the bumpers. To date, it is the most thoughtful and the most, the most, the coolest, just not anything, just the bumpers. It's, it's the coolest one ever. You know, I, until you just said that, I, 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 until, like, I had to. Now I remember, but like it took me a while to like remember what you're talking about because it's it's got that guitar in the beginning, and it's like, and you're like, D- or I, you're the Tom Nardone show, and then it's like, and I think it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the hard guitarist, that was badass, man. I was loving do, do, do that. You, do you have that like on, on the ready? Um, I don't think so. If you can think of some crap to talk about, I'm sure I could probably pull it up. Like can certainly just uh, push pause and the power of editing. Yeah, push pause. There you go. All right, so this is the uh, the bumper that I recorded for you that I actually forgot about until you brought it up. All right, so um, Tom and I just spent the last um, <laughs> fifteen minutes trying to find a uh, <laughs> the the bumper that I recorded for him on episode twenty four, and uh, and here it is. Enjoy. So that was my uh, my musical interlude for for Tom that we just spent a bunch. Yeah, of- but you know, and it was your you actually suggested uh, bumpers as a as an idea for for me, and I that's when you know, and that kind of became a staple for the show, and I do appreciate that very is that much. My idea. Yeah, you. Well, I do appreciate yeah, that. You, man, do a search on all of our conversations for um for uh, <laughs> any one of our four thousand two hundred sixty three <laughs> messages that we, that we've sent, which I can't frankly believe that it's that high. But uh, I, I'm, I mean, seriously, that's like a book. Like, wait, when he said, when he said to me, like, you'll never believe how many like um, messages have gone back and forth between us. I was like, wait, is it going to be over? Th- is it going to be a thousand? Is it going to be a thousand? And then you're like four thousand. <laughs> Yeah, it's like <laughs> we'll we'll be a past six by the end of the year, I suspect. Oh but, my gosh! But yeah, anyway, if you do a search for um, uh, bumper, I remember because I, I asked you what is a bumper, you know. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And it been a lot of fun. I really, you know, that that's just been like the nothing inspires me to do a great show better than to have a good bumper as the the intro for it. And you know, it was funny and I didn't realize this until we were just looking for my, that, for your bumper. And I remember, <laughs> I remember this, uh, Esther, uh, Batista, uh, one of my listeners, she, uh, she said, Oh, Hey Tom, I heard the show that, uh, had my bumper on it. I didn't really like the show that it was on, but, uh, thanks for using my bumper. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you, take a guess what the show was. Which one? She said, she oh, didn't, let me guess, let me guess. The Netflix show? It was the Netflix show. <laughs> 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 but, but, you know, I tell you what, um, 
we have not we have just about averaged a show every week uh believe it or not that's because, freaking amazing no, man we hit we hit 50 shows or 51 shows i think and it was january 26th when when we released on itunes but uh Tomorrow, Yvonne and I are both off, so I'm seriously hoping on at least getting a show out. And I'm thinking this is going to be a really good one, so I'm kind of excited about it because I might uh, pitch her on some ideas that I know she won't like, but I'm going to Those stand. are always the best shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, Yvonne, um, happy uh, belated anniversary. I-, I figured it would not be an ADHD happy anniversary wish if it was on time, so I wanted to make sure I was late. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's my story, yeah, and I'm yeah, sticking to yeah, it. We, uh, it was February 14th was our anniversary, and we celebrated it on February 13th since we were both off. Um, you know, we did a show that day, but it was a, it was a, you know, anybody come on into the Zoom room, and I haven't really listened to that after the fact to see if there's actually a show in in any of the details Yvonne felt like there was, but uh, I need to take a look at that. So I may actually have a show that I just been sitting on. I just, I'd forgotten all about that until just right now. Uh, I might have to check that out tonight. Time before we, uh, you know, for the, the one or two listeners who are still hang- hanging in yes. there, uh, we, 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 uh, we salute you. Um, give, let people know again. I mean, obviously go, go to iTunes, uh, check out the Tom Nardone show. Um, that's, that's my favorite Tom Nardone. Uh, that's how I like to consume Tom Nardone is through audio. Buy my book. I've thought about actually on the show, just having like subliminal messages playing in the background, just very gently. You know, with the, what you just did, I was, I was sort I was almost hearing like a, um, a, uh, a, 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 what am I trying to say? Uh, a, 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 a <laughs> You can tell we're at like an hour and a half plus because my brain is not giving me words anymore. A um, what's that? What? And I just swore. Okay, so uh, we, <laughs> don't delete it. Um, Leave it in there. Leave that in there. Please, no one report my swear at the hour and a half mark. Because if you, I mean, no one's going to because you're a true fan. Or someone is torturing you and making you listen to this, and you, are, and you don't have access to your to the, the stop button. Um, when you were saying like "buy my book," I was sort of like <laughs> hearing like a uh, like a jingle coming there. Okay, want to want to improvise be, a little I'm jingle? Interested? I will be interested to. Uh, and if you do that, I will try to write a song about your show because I and I, I kind of would appreciate it because. I have like all this music equipment that we bought from like the last time I redid a room. Uh, and we haven't even bothered with any of it. <laughs> I don't even want to say how much all of it costs. I mean, it was just silly. And if I had like a something I had to do, because I'll always work harder for other people. If, if I make promises to somebody, I'm, I'm always much more attentive to their own needs than I am to my own, which is so weird. You know, it's like I, I'll, I'll let anything slide, you know, to get something I told somebody else or I had to do for somebody else. But if it's my stuff, I'm, I'm like the worst boss for me to ever work for any, if I was my own boss, my company would just go belly up. I, I do <laughs> have the discipline to, I don't know how I did it when I sold satellite dishes. I really don't. I think it's so common though, what you just described. I mean, oh, really, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, that's why I do the accountability groups because I, it's just like when it's just me by myself, you know, it's like, I can do whatever you I don't want. really have to do anything. Right. Um, so a, 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 a jingle exchange. Hmm. It's an interesting idea. 
Yeah. Well, if, if you do it, I'll do it. I'm not going to say any more about it. Now, um, you know, I, I thought that, that we should maybe tell listeners, even though they'll forget about it by the time it happens. Um, you and I this week were talking about um, the, the, uh, the, the Eric Terrace Tom Nardone vacation and like, Maybe a year or yes, something. Yes, that is right. And that, you know, and what would I, I was actually, I have actually thought, uh, you don't have to share your screen anymore, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, I've actually thought beyond that, uh, you know, we could do like for one, <laughs> for one week, you know, you come down here and for another week, I would go up there or, we could do if we just had one week, we could meet at like an actual type of vacation sort of place. There, there's just so many different things that or maybe just go to some. <laughs> I mean, some hick town where there's nothing to do. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be Myrtle Beach or some place with the you know this. I mean, it could, I don't care. I just think it would be funny and we can like play man on the street reporter podcast or something we would i I would be be awesome i would be curious to see what kind of i've been wanting to do that for the long it's one of those like ideas that i think about frequently and haven't taken any action i I think i lack the sack to do such a thing i don't know i maybe you know just just randomly ask strangers on the sidewalk let me ask a question have you ever heard of adhd and stick the mic in their face and you should, you should, you should, um, without giving away what it is, you should actually do it dressed in the, the Brody Bricker Halloween costume. <laughs> yes, that would be something. I would definitely, I mean, I'll tell you what, if, a, if, a, if, a, if <laughs> I don't care who you are, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care who you are. If you are walking down a sidewalk and a man dressed as a used. Oh, you can't, you can't say, I don't care what the body. Uh, yeah. You know, All right. It's, okay. It's t- yeah. It's inappropriate. It's, 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 not, it's so <laughs> unbelievable. Actually, like, actually, I did uh, write about a blog post about that Halloween uh, thing. As a matter of fact, it was funny because I wrote that at the same time I was writing my book and I got thinking, you know, this should so be in the book. So I just kind of copy and pasted it on in there just straight from the blog pretty much. I, I mean, I had to, you know, edit book eyes it, or, you know, booklify the, you know, story a little bit. But yeah, it was... Uh, it's in there, but yeah, if, you know, I'll tell you what, I think, you know, and actually it was Terry Matlin. I reached out to Terry Matlin about that, uh, that chapter because Look I wasn't you gonna- dropping big names like Terry Matlin. Oh yes. Yes, I am. Terry Matlin. Uh, who, who else? Let me- who I know <laughs> is not listening to this. Eric Tivers, you know, Eric Tivers. I, uh, <laughs> you know, he's read my book. See, now I can add you to the list, but, uh, no, she actually, I, I asked her about, you know, including that chapter and we talked about it and she she definitely thought it should go in there and i'm so glad it's in there because that has been oh, i'm so happy it's in there too. really that- a favorite chapter for so and the, you know there's so many inappropriate stories that just would not have been appropriate for uh you know for books i told you one before the, before before the show that is so not going to be <laughs> as a matter of fact if you're a lady don't even ask me what the story was because i will lie and say i don't remember well, let me ask you this. If pe- can people put in like a promo code um, when they buy three copies of your book and you can include like a, like an appendix, uh, an, a bonus content where you actually share that story? You know, I'll tell you what, if, <laughs> if you say, <laughs> 
No, they can't. But if uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, if anybody sends me a picture, email or Facebook Messenger, or if a picture of of them with the book, I I will make arrangements to tell you that story. But it is quite uh, it is quite a graphic story. And ladies, just don't even ask because I'm not going to tell you no matter what. <laughs> Only for the guys because it's so awful and you don't want to hear it. If uh, if you've ever listened to um. Um, no, I know. I'm actually not even actually talking to you. I'm talking to to everyone else. Oh. Um, the uh, now sorry I'm, for interrupting. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, rude. Um, the uh, the hell is it called? I'm blanking on the name right now. Have we even said the name of my book? I think I don't so. Think, I don't. How the hell can we? Have been <laughs> about, how in the hell? Can we have been talking about my book for two hours and we've yet to mention the name? How ridiculous. Now we have to title the show Chasing Kites or something like that. And in case, in case you're wondering. That's and in case you're name. wondering, that's it's called Chasing Kites. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a great story in the very beginning of the book. I So do I. And I actually have a very similar story to that. Um, where the hell is this? <laughs> What are you looking for now? The the name of this podcast, um, it, Risk. It is, is the podcast is called Risk. It is uh, the whole premise of this podcast um, is it's stories that you, like people tell on stage, so kind of like the Moth. If you listen to the Moth, which I know you don't, um, but every, maybe other people do. It's a storytelling podcast, but these are like stories that you can't believe people are on ta- on stage telling. There's stories of um, if you're listening with kids, bl- cover their ears of like orgies and uh, but they're, they're like really good stories for the like storytelling sake. Um, so I think it, it would kind of fall into that c- category sort of. I mean, or just like shocking and like, oh, my gosh. I think you've told me about that one before. I don't know if I've, I, don't I think, think you I've, would actually like it. Tom. I probably would. I might have to check it out. Because the, uh, I think the host used to do something with like MTV's had Bangers Ball, I think. I think. Mm. I don't know. But this feels like a good time to end the show. I agree. Let's, uh, let's, should we cue the banjos? Yeah, cue the banjos. Um, TomNardone.net.com. TomNardone. Let me, let me just do this. Do it. Thanks. Because it's kind of important. It's. <laughs> You, you, you just got one mailed to you. You didn't have to do anything for it. So let me tell them exactly how to. It's tomnardone.net forward slash book. Or you just go to tomnardone.net and there's a, a link there and it'll take you right to the sales page. And it's, it's available in what? PDF, ebook, uh, Kindle, and paperback. And it is a fine, fine read. Tom, as always, thank you. You are by far the most frequent uh, guest on this podcast, and you are always welcome back. I, I never, never tire of being on the show, Eric. As and as much as we're very good friends, it's always an honor to be included in your show. Well, let's let's actually cue the banjos now before um, I get angry emails before for why the hell is this? And <laughs> people realize that we're actually gay. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Tom. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of ADHD Rewired. And if you're new to the show, welcome to ADHD Rewired. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. You can see a full outline of this and all other episodes with all the links and other resources mentioned during this interview at ADHDrewired.com. Help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors. I use Zoom video conferencing nearly every day and so can you. Go free or go pro, but please go to erictibbers.com slash Zoom so they know that I sent you. And you can get a free audiobook from Audible at erictivers.com slash Audible. And next time you shop Amazon, use the Amazon search portal at ADHDrewired.com. A small percentage of your purchase will go to support this show. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. You can also support this podcast by leaving an honest rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher. This really helps other people find this show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't just be a passive listener, be an active member of the ADHD Rewired community. We are on Facebook. You can like our page, but please submit your request to join our free and growing community. And don't forget to check your other inbox because I screen everybody before they come into our community. Looking for a coach? If you're still listening at this point and you answered yes, come to my website at ADHDrewired.com and schedule your free 20-minute consultation or call me at 224-993-9450. Is your school, business, or organization hiring speakers? I provide fun and engaging presentations full of practical solutions that both educate and entertain. Hire me for your next professional development day or corporate training event. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash talks. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.